0: To all you unconventional conventionists, welcome back to Rocky Talkie. We have such an exciting show for you this week. I am so pumped. It's been wonderful. As always, I am joined with my lovely co hosts, the always beautiful John and Aaron. How are you guys?
1: Terrible, thanks. Uh, oh, beautiful, well. apparently.
0: <laughs> How was your week, Aaron? <laughs> Just or take John. John out of the equation. How was your week, John? <laughs>
1: Um, no, Aaron has to go first, because I don't know how my week was. Oh, well, I know exactly how my week
2: was. It was a little bit of ups, and then a little bit of downs, and then a little bit more ups, then a lot of bit downs. Listen, guys, the stock market's doing really weird stuff this week, and- Oh, my um, God, I hate you.
0: I hate my life.
2: I, I. You know, I've got all this money that is now a lot less money. I, I don't even know what to do here, man. Like- Should I buy more GameStop? Should I hold? Should I... I don't... I don't know. I don't know. This has been my week is uh, trying not to look at the stock chart as I'm doing my work. No? Nobody has an opinion? No financial advice for me?
0: Hold the bag.
2: My friend is a CPA and knows a lot more than I do. So Nikki, was was that financial advice that you gave
1: me there?
0: I don't know. Meg taught me stonk. Lingo, and I don't remember any of it, but I googled it and hold the bag came up. So do that,
1: yeah. Hold the bag, Aaron.
0: Hold the bag.
1: I don't think that's good advice. You know, let's just move
2: on.
0: (laughs) How are you, John? Are you holding the bag this week?
1: I'm holding my bag as we speak. Oh, (sighs) yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I week was there. I guess, um, I mean, the stimmy checks are rolling in, so that's neat. Yes. Uh, Unky Bitey, give me the stimmy check. Like, I didn't get it yet, but it's coming, and I guess that that's neat. Yeah, it is. I like free money, and it's gonna help with the move in July, so that's neat. Uh, aside from that, I did the same thing that I always do, try to take over the world.
0: Oh, Pinky. Yeah. Tendies to the moon, John. I remembered some more stonk logo.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll do that after uh, after the podcast recording. Man, I'm hungry.
0: Eat.
2: I can't afford the tendies now. I ha- haven't, haven't, haven't made enough tendies to afford the tendies, you know. how it is.
1: <laughs> well, n- now that we're talking about food on the podcast, I am straight up going to order food right now. So, yeah.
0: Well... Since you guys asked, you know my week has been <laughs> stellar. I know. I know you were wondering.
1: I was. You're right. I've been a
0: very busy woman. You know, keep it girl boss, girl boss to the max. Hashtag. I have just been cranking out ads because my show is having a soft reopen which is
2: Ooh, crazy I see that. to me.
0: I'm excited and I'm nervous. I have a lot of emotions, but I've just been busting out graphic design, dog. I'm so excited. I love making ads and I feel like a human again.
1: Is the cast list out? Or are you performing?
0: I don't know. Uh, the cast list is not out, but I will let you know when I know.
1: Excellent.
2: That's going to be super
0: fun. Well, with that, let's get started into our first segment global news time global Uh. news time gotta find a rhyme it's global news
3: time
2: Alright, starting off some global news, we've got some fun UK tour news, and no, I promise you, it's not just more new tour dates, although there are a pile of those, go check those out, I think the Time Warp site has those all listed, there's been a few that's come out this week. We're not going to go through those, no, this week the production announced that they're going to be welcoming Ori Aduba to their cast in the role of Brad! So if you don't know, Oria Duba is a British TV personality who is best known as the season 14 winner of the British TV program Strictly Come Dancing. It's basically the UK version of Dancing with the Stars. You know how they say chips instead of fries and lift instead of elevator over there? Yeah, they've got Strictly Come Dancing.
1: It's Tuesday in it. But oh oh what a...
0: bloody hell. That's all Mate. I got. <laughs> After winning the show in 2016, Ore decided he liked live musical performance and made his musical theater debut in 2019 as Teen Angel in the Grease UK Tour. After the tour ended, the show found a home at the Wyndham Theater in the West End, where Ore stayed on as the character and made his West End debut. It sounds like Ore caught the theater bug because now he's moving on up to Brad. The tour's anticipated start date is scheduled for July 12th at the Mayflower Theater in Southampton.
1: In an interview for Ripley and Hainer News, Oduba is quoted as saying, I can't wait to join the cast of the Rocky Horror Show. Like everybody, I've missed the stage so much, and Rocky is the perfect show to welcome audiences back to theaters. Such an iconic musical with songs that everybody knows, so I'm sure the Rocky fans will be desperate to do the time warp again. (sighs) i hated reading that (laughs) i'm so excited to get started and tour the country with our production i've just got to remember to pack my stockings oh my god
2: yeah i don't i don't think it's his responsibility to pack his own stuff you know what (laughs) our sentiments exactly dude i couldn't have said it better myself
0: oh god i'm sorry i just googled him and he is so fine Uh like i'm i might ship myself up to the uk for this tour you should, too. All right. But anyway, have any of you had the nightmare yet where you get to the theater on your first night back, and you're late, and you forgot your costumes, and also you can't remember the movie at all? No? Is that just me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's completely just you. Um, I have not dreamt about Rocky in, like, a year and a half.
0: I have Rocky stress dreams all the time, especially now.
1: Don't get me wrong. Like, I love Rocky, but... It does not have a place in my subconscious. Oh my god,
0: it lives (laughs) rent-free in my fucking mind. (laughs) Anyway, welcome
2: to the family, Ori. It's weird as shit, and you're gonna love us. Oh.
1: My. God. Did all of you listen to Susan Sarandon's interview on the Divorce Not Dead podcast? Oh. My. God. Oh my god.
0: I've certainly seen the memes all over the place. Did she really say the thing that the memes said she said?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Oh my did. god. Oh, my, oh god.
2: my god. Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: I'm sorry guys.
2: Who, who said what? <sighs> you got to <sighs> you got to help me out. I don't meme the
1: internet.
0: Whatever. Wow.
1: Honestly, like pick up a tabloid every once in a while, Aaron. Gosh. So, for those of you who are not nearly as informed as me and Nikki are, Susan Sarandon was on a podcast called Divorce Not Dead with Caroline Stanbury this past week. And, like, each week, the host, Caroline Stanbury, chats with a new guest about the relationship challenges that led to their marriage ending, the difficulties of actually, like, disentangling your life from someone else after a long-term relationship and what life is like after divorce— She also brings on, like, guest experts, like, all the time, oh my god, like, dating coaches, sex therapists, like, fertility fucking specialists, like, that sort of thing, to talk about, like, how the end of a relationship, like, affects their clients, it's super cool, but this week, she chatted with Susan fucking Sarandon about her seven-year marriage to Chris fucking sarandon and her like 21 year relationship with tim robbins that ended back in 2009 oh my god
0: no but you don't get it you really like you don't get it susan was really forthcoming about her experiences like she talked about how she and chris decided to get married when she was 21 simply because they wanted to live together are you kidding me Insane. Susan stated that she never really wanted to get married in the first place, but that she and Chris couldn't live together if they weren't, so getting married made it so much easier. She and Chris agreed that they'd get married for simplicity's sake and reassess their relationship every year and decide whether or not they wanted to stay married. After seven years, they mutually called it quits. Oh, my God.
1: Okay. Um, Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I can keep up that energy, guys, but honestly, I, I guess that story sounds like they made the smart, mature move, right? I mean, Chris and Susan got married back in 1967, so I get that living together out of wedlock was still kind of a taboo, and of course, living with your boyfriend is so much easier when you get to a certain point in your relationship, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to marry the guy, nor, like, should you. It sounds like the two of them came to a great compromise, and it's nice that they were able to split amicably when the relationship had run its course.
0: Susan went on to discuss her relationship with Tim Robbins and why she chose not to get married. She felt with marriage, after you have kids and own property together, the relationship ends in both partners taking each other for granted, something she very much didn't want for herself in a relationship, even though she says it's what ultimately happened with Tim, which led to their breakup.
2: Oh my god, oh my god, wait,
1: so what's the tea (laughs) here? okay well towards the end of the interview caroline like completely just asked susan like at this point in your life like what kind of man is the kind of man that you want in your life to which susan responded someone who's been vaccinated for covid
2: Oh, touche. Good one, Susan.
1: Oh, my <laughs> God. But, but then, like, after they left, Susan went on to actually say, I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I'm open to all all age, all color, like, whatever. Those, for me, are just, like, details. Like, what I'm interested in is someone who wants to be adventurous, someone who's passionate about what they do, someone who owns themselves and isn't going to be intimidated by people going up to you on the street and being like, oh, my God, I love you, because there's, like, no way around that. Hold on, I'm sorry. Did Susan Sarandon just come out to us?
0: Well, yes, but this isn't the first time. She's actually been pretty outspoken about being what a lot of us would refer to as pansexual, although she's never used the term to our knowledge. Back in 2015, she told Ellen DeGeneres that she was actively looking for a new love and said, I would leave open the age, the color, the gender even. I'm open. It increases your chances, doesn't it? And even before that, in 2012, she told the Metro newspaper, It doesn't matter the age, race, gender of the person you choose to be with. What's difficult is being intimate with another human being. Once you learn to do that, the rest is just details. There are so many people who found themselves in unforeseen situations. Where you come down on the sexual spectrum is very flexible, but it takes courage to be vulnerable with another person. That's a big step that has to be taken.
2: Aw, good for her. This sounds like a well-rehearsed talking point, but if she's been so open about her sexuality in the past, why, why why is this time such a big deal?
0: Coming out of the closet as anything is hard. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it, it makes you feel really vulnerable, even if you feel relatively sure about how the person you're talking to is going to react
1: yeah i'm gonna agree with nikki when savannah came out recently as non-binary to me uh they actually had like and again i know that this is going to sound hysterical to everyone who is listening who knows me and also everyone who's part of the podcast but savannah actually had like alternative plans in case i was going to react negatively to savannah being non-binary oh like was absolutely shit terrified that i was gonna like kick them out or like break up with them because they they were identifying as non-binary now and i was like me of all people okay i mean like i and you know i thought it was funny but it was a really weird wake-up call to me to being like you know folks who decide to come out no matter how many times they do it are always going to be afraid of how someone reacts to it even if it's somebody who is super close to them
2: that's fair, and I think that's something that it's it's really easy for all of us, especially someone like me who has never had to deal with that, to, to kind of forget just how much pressure and how difficult that is. Right.
0: Yeah, it's fucking awesome anytime someone you look up to is open about their sexuality or gender identity, because it makes it that much easier for the rest of us to be brave and do the same thing. And, like, we're Rocky people. I'm a Janet, even. So getting to see this actress that I spend all of my time trying to portray... It really hits you right in the feels.
3: That's
2: completely fair. Well, good for you, Susan. Thanks for being so open about who
1: you are. And we here at Rocky Talkie hope that you find your adventurous, self-assured, vaccinated prince or princess charming really really soon.
2: And with that, let's kick it on over to some community news. Alright, guys, unfortunately, we've got to open community news this week on a somber note as we say goodbye to a member of our New York City Rocky Horror Picture Show family, Nikki Karen. Nikki was an awesome guy. He was a total sweetheart who was kind to everyone, and he loved his friends, especially those of us who are on cast with him. He was like family.
0: Nikki's family and close friends have started up a fundraiser to honor his legacy. Nikki's love of theater was a constant in his life. He worked tirelessly in support of his passion for all aspects on stage and backstage. He was a performer, singer, carpenter, scenic builder, and most of all, a brilliant lighting designer. Nikki was an integral founding member of the Savannah Repertory Theater. Moving to Savannah from NYC, he worked on every production Savannah Rep has produced since its founding working to convert an industrial warehouse into a beautiful, warm, and inviting black box-style space.
1: All funds raised will go to the building of the Savannah Rep's new downtown Savannah venue. Nikki was involved in the initial technical design of the theater space back in January. The technical theater booths at both venues, downtown and the play shop, will be named in his honor as a testament to his memory. If you're interested in learning more about the fundraiser, we've included a link in our show notes. And, of course, as we learn more about any memorial service that might take place, we will share that information with all of you.
2: Our hearts are with Nikki's family, friends, and everyone whose lives will be a little less bright without him. We love you, Nikki. You are such a wonderful friend, and we're grateful for the time we got to share with you. We'll see you on the other side.
1: And on a lighter note, uh, we got a super fun write-in this week from our friend, Red. Name? Red. Message? Hey, Rocky Talkie. I love all the cool in-depth information you've been telling us about the pins on Frank's jacket. As a Jewish person who plays Frank, I've always been more than a little uncomfortable with wearing the Nazi insignia on the jacket, which is why I decided to use different pins on mine. I'm probably not the only person in this situation, so I wanted to tell y'all about an alternative that I found. This pin satirizes the recent Jewish space laser media sensation, and 50% of the profits from this product will be donated to candidates and organizations working to defeat QAnon supporters running for Congress. It has a similar shape and color scheme as some of the other pins that he wears in the movie, so it doesn't look glaringly out of place. I love the pod, and I miss your faces. Keep up the good work. Heart. (laughs) <laughs> Red,
2: I gotta tell you, Meg got your write-in on Friday morning. Well, afternoon, you know how it is sometimes. Anyway, she totally woke me up so we could giggle at these pins together. They are so cute. We just got an absolute kick out of them.
0: Um, fun fact: this company also makes secret Jewish space laser laser pointers that are advertised at being one four hundredth scale and perfect for Jewish cats. Aaron, you've got to get one of these for Beetlejuice. We're,
2: we're not Jewish, Nikki.
0: Beetle could be. You do not know his business. Uh, I, uh... I'm literally just being nice. Meg already bought one for him.
1: Oh, well, good. And fuck QAnon. Wait, hang on. Are there actually Nazi pins on Frank's jacket? Well, no. But th- there is a patch with a swastika
2: on it, and I can absolutely understand why most people especially someone who's Jewish, would be completely uncomfortable with wearing or, fuck, even owning a Nazi insignia. Hell, I could see even feeling weird about owning a costume piece that's supposed to have a swastika on it. And I I love the idea of flipping the script with the jacket, and in addition to excluding the offensive patches, adding pins like this one
1: to just make the jacket even more in-your-face, fuck you Nazis, you know? And the swastika patch isn't the only one that might make people feel uncomfortable, though, right? Like, aren't there a few just questionable pieces on the jacket to begin with? Yeah, of varying degrees,
2: right? I mean, there's the the Nazi patch that has a swastika. That one's clear-cut and obvious. There's another patch we're not really sure of the source of. It looks like a eagle with a, a skull underneath it. It may not even be original or the thing that's actually supposed to be there. There's a lot of discussion around that right now. But it's clearly inspired from some kind of military patch. That one's also possibly a little problematic. In addition, as far as pins go, you actually do have some pins on there that, while not as bad as Nazi pins, may not be things you want to associate yourself with. Stuff like the Hells Angels or the 59 Club. Some of these biker groups that say what you want. Maybe you don't want to walk around sporting their logos or accidentally run into somebody who would take offense at you sporting their logos. So... Yeah, this is one costume piece that even the most devout Rocky purists will encourage you to modify it if you want to. Rocky is a place where everyone is supposed to feel good about themselves, and that majorly includes what you're wearing. And if that means swapping out a Nazi patch for a secret Jewish space laser pin, well, that's absolutely something that we can all support. Damn,
1: my Frank jacket has a pin that says I Heart Grandma
0: (laughs) on it. You fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check out these pins, a secret Jewish space laser pointer for your cat or any of the other merch on their site, which you should, they've got lots of really good stuff. You can visit them at descentpins.com.
3: It's funny you mentioned secret Jewish space lasers because just yesterday, after checking the time on my specialty BB record clock, I was using such a laser to... Make circles around the area where BB's butt would be in the poster for FDR American Badass. Where the fuck did you just come from, Jacob? Who Who let him into this call?
0: More importantly, who's BB?
3: (laughs) Oh, of course, sometimes I forget not everyone is as close to Barry as I am.
0: You've never even met the man.
3: We've exchanged a lot of emails, and we've grown a little shorthand between the two of us. I call him BB, he doesn't reply to my emails, it's the sort of bond I've been looking for. I was talking to him one night, and it struck me that while I know everything Barry's been in, perhaps everyone else doesn't. So I come to you today to discuss perhaps the most renowned YouTube series I've seen in decades, behind the extra studio of which my BB is the host. In this series, Barry uses his witty wisdom, scrumptious sensuality, and his keen sense of comedic timing to take a deep dive on a few extras, and the extra scene in general. If you thought Barry was funny in Rocky Horror, you've got another thing coming, because this man, with a story more distinguished than Spartacus, and a face more enchanting than Helen of Troy, packs so much comedy into mini-clips, that if you watch them, if you ride that BB train hard enough, well, you may just forget where you are.
2: Hold on, is, are we, is this just a review of Barry Boswick's new web series? What, what's it?
3: It's a little adoration, a little review.
0: I mean, technically, it's community news.
2: Okay,
3: all right. Now, before we go further, and I really dig deep into my BB attractions, I want to make one thing clear. I have only a chub for Barry. After my last segment, I got a lot of unsolicited boy butt pics. <laughs> Why, some friends even tried to tell me they were chill with my new sexuality. But everyone, from friend to stranger, seems to have it wrong. I'm not here for penis, nor booby or vagina. I'm not a furry or into scatter vomit porn or anything of the like. Barry Bostwick is my siren call and his butt and his alone do I long for. Now that that's out of the way, I'd like to introduce one of Barry's series within the series. You see, one of the great things about BB is how octopus-like he is. He doesn't just give you one YouTube clip series, or one weird cult movie, or one shaking orgasm as you obsess over his picture hunched over the toilet. No. Barry shuffles into you. He shimmies his tendrils in and you shake and shake at the same time, never wanting it to stop, yet fearing the continuation. I I don't even know.
0: Please stop. It.
1: We're we're gonna have to password protect this fucking Skype call now, folks.
3: This is the feeling of Barry's spin-off series, The Worst Extra Ever, where every episode Barry goes in deep and hard on all of those quirky extras who fucked up their job, like the Stormtrooper who bumped his head in Star Wars A New Hope, or Pants with Flydown guy from Teen Wolf. In every episode, B.B. works the scene with such a sense of overwhelming safety and confidence that you can't help but imagine he's just there for you, talking right to you. In one episode, he reaches down to touch his balls and he says, Yep, that's cancer. But cancer's actually his pet name for me. <clears throat> so, what he was really trying to say was, Oh, yeah, right there. That's exactly the spot where I imagine Jacob's lipsticked mouth gingerly sucking away at the wrinkled flesh of my balls. It seems intricate, but we cleared it all up in the emails. Coded messaging is just our way of talking. When you get to know someone like we know each other, developing your own language is just par for the course.
1: I'm literally going to be the first person on this planet to sue his own podcast after this.
0: Jacob, you make me so sad. No, 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 guys, hold on.
3: I want to hear more about this web series. I'm down for some BB action. Let's, Let's keep going, Jacob. Every episode of which there are currently seven fantastical clips, Barry takes us on a journey. Each features a new guest like Phil Lamar, notable for his role on Mad TV, but otherwise an extra, like everyone else who guest appears on the series. Unfortunately, I'm not eligible to appear. I've never been on screen, much less an extra. Now I know what you're thinking, but Jacob, In light of your licentiously loving relationship, surely BB would have you on, if only for a brief snapshot, like a motif of star-crossed lovers plucked from different worlds, fated to find conflict sanding between their affections. You sound right, obviously so blatantly right, but my buxom, beautiful Barry, my triple B, better half, has a dedication to comedy, and an unbreakable work ethic that not even our love can breach.
0: Get it over with.
3: Thank you for that grunt, Aaron. (laughs) Every episode is uniquely quirky and funny. With the sort of absurd comedy you might expect from Community or Arrested Development in neat one-to-two-minute episodes, every time Barry takes an over-the-top deep dive on a particular extra's insynchronicity, It's inherently ironic and playful because he's taking a closer look at people and mistakes that are intended to melt into the background. This whole series is really enjoyable, and so far only 7 episodes long, for about 14 minutes of content total. The first season, the first 4 episodes, have over 1000 views each, and while they totally deserve more, the second season is by comparison destitute, with none of the 3 episodes having more than 200 views. The series is fantastic, and I'm sure more people would enjoy watching it, but the real issue is that the view farm I hired in India, filled with underage Punjabi laborers, doesn't seem to be doing its job. I tried to get these views for Barry as an intimate gift, but these underprivileged little shits don't seem to know how to press a fucking subscribe button. (sighs) Oh well, I guess I've got some calls to make. Toodaloo, everybody!
0: Um,
2: I don't even know where to start should we
1: be looking into this
2: i mean india is literally oceans away i where would we even
0: let's just be grateful that that's over make a note to bring it up in therapy this week and just move on to our next story please
1: thanks jacob somebody block him from the call (laughs) so wrapping up community news we just want to remind you all about our upcoming community pre-show night On Saturday, March 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be hanging out with all of you, watching some of our absolute favorite pre-shows from the past years. It's going to
2: be so much fun, but we don't want to hog the remote. We want you guys to help choose the lineup by sending in your favorite pre-shows, too. They can be performances you or your cast have recorded, or just the ones you love watching over and over again on YouTube.
0: We're not gonna be picky about submissions either. Feel free to send in musical numbers, skits, any kind of shadow cast performance, TikToks. Basically, if it could count as a pre show, it's fair game.
1: Oh, and a lot of you have reached out about asking about the video length. We don't really have a cutoff. Just keep it like pre show length, so under eight minutes or so, unless it's like really good. Then it can be a little longer. You know what I mean. Hey. <laughs> but it's got to be awesome.
2: Like, really awesome. Mm-hmm. If you want to submit a short form video to be included in the lineup, you can either go to our website, that's RockyTalkiepodcast.com, and use the contact us form there, or you can send us an email to podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to either send us a video file or honestly just a link. Either way works. We'll get it figured out from there. Also, please don't forget to include your name, your cast affiliation, And a cast or a creator logo, if you've got one.
0: We've already received lots of fantastic submissions, and we love them so much. Please keep them coming. And once again, the show will take place Saturday, March 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern on RHPSlive.com. We can't wait to see you there. All right, everyone. Stay calm. I'm freaking out. I know you're freaking out, but let's all just stay calm. Stay calm. It is time for Nikki Asks a Question. Ah! (laughs) Stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm. Sorry. I'm Nikki. And here's a question. And this week, it's actually from me. Yay! Okay. So, the other day, I was thinking about how there's all these, like, quote-unquote famous Rocky Horror dudes, like Sal Ron Maxwell, John Salamac, etc. I'm just kidding. Are there, like, notable women that paved the way for what the community is today? I feel like we don't hear about them a lot. Plus, it's Women's History Month. If this is a dumb idea, I understand.
1: Uh, yes, that is a pretty dumb idea. There are no women that have ever contributed anything to Rocky Horror. Ever. And that's our show! Mm-hmm.
2: Make sure you like wow. and subscribe Wow, okay,
0: to us. fuck you guys. I'll do it myself. See?
2: Now that's in the spirit of Women's Month.
1: Heyo!
0: Seriously? Women's History Month, and you're like, what, going for the misogynist gold medal?
1: Yeah, Aaron, what's wrong with you? Hey, but, but you said- Nah, I'm just kidding. I know you hate women just as much as the next guy. Tell me, when did you stop beating your wife? Now, hold on. That is not at all what I...
2: And what does that have to do with anything? I take offense at the entire
1: idea that you...
0: Jesus Christ, boys. Put your dicks away. It's Women's Month. It's my month. Yo,
1: I love when women...
0: Me too. Anyway. Oh, God. I know there are a ton of extremely influential and important women in the Rocky Horror community. I'm talking about ladies who have done a huge amount to build Rocky Horror into the community and experience that we all know and love today. People without whose influence, Rocky would be an altogether different place.
2: But, but my boomer jokes.
0: No, I'm having none of it. Here's what I want to do. I want to go back to the beginning. 1975. The dawn of the Rocky Horror community. Do the same thing you usually do. I want the history of the Rocky Horror community, but this time around, no assholes. Period. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I said no assholes. It's sluts only up in this bitch. Don't call me ma'am. Sorry. It's okay. Also, jokes aside, let's throw a quick disclaimer here. We don't know most of these people personally, and we believe that everyone here identifies as women, but our sincere apologies if we get anything wrong. We're not attempting to misgender anyone.
1: And also, we're going to be mentioning a lot of people that have been in the community for a very long time.
2: And I think we all know, if you've been around in the community for more than about 10 minutes, uh, you're going to inevitably ruffle some feathers. We acknowledge not everyone is perfect, women included, But we're not here to call anyone out, we're going to stick to facts, and well, it's just like separating the artist from their art.
1: Yeah, it's like Ellen DeGeneres. Unquestionably, she's a piece of shit. But you gotta acknowledge that she played a massive role bringing gay rights and gay culture to the mainstream.
0: Also, I ain't never met these people. Names are going to be fungible, because I don't know you. Disclaimer done, let's go. Rocky Horror as a stage show has great success in the UK, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show comes out in 1975. It doesn't do very well initially, but eventually comes to the Midnight Movie Circuit in 76 and 77. Rocky Horror has just started exploding onto the Midnight Movie Circuit. It started playing at the Waverly Theatre in New York City and dozens of other cities all across the U.S.
2: The very first group of regulars at the Waverly Theater, that's the same group that pioneered audience participation from the first row of the balcony, featured several women. Amy Lazarus and her friend Teresa, along with Lori Davis, were several integral members of the balcony regulars that are credited with incorporating the first props into audience participation. Amy and Teresa were the first people to use confetti during the wedding scene, evolving the idea for the next night when they used rice, Lori Davis was the first person to ever throw playing cards to Frank during I'm Going Home.
0: See, that's what I'm looking for. You always hear about how Louis Freezy Pop was the first guy to tell Janet to buy an umbrella, and he called her a cheap bitch while he was doing it. Nobody ever even uses that line anymore, but everyone still throws cards.
2: It's Louis Farisi.
0: I said what I said, no assholes. Who's next? Where's the next stop on the women's history of Rocky Horror?
1: Well, I mean, it's gotta be Dory then, right? Yeah, uh, shortly after
2: Amy, Teresa, and Lori invented some of the earliest audience participation props, uh, Dory Hartley started coming to see Rocky at the Waverly Theater.
0: Oh, I know Dory. She's like the most famous shadowcaster ever.
1: Most famous and also one of the first. She was certainly the person who put Rocky Horror on the map for costumed escapades. If you saw like a newspaper article, a TV segment, or really anything about Rocky Horror... In the late 70s and early 80s, you were probably looking at a picture of Dory. She single-handedly set the bar for, really, the entire early fandom as the most devoted fan of Rocky Horror and Tim Curry's Frank.
2: And her friend, Robin Lipner, too. One of the first ever to dress as magenta, Robin, Dory, and many others came up with the first Rocky Horror trivia quizzes. They made their way all over the country as they were photocopied and handed over to fans from one to the next.
0: They went viral with a ton of extra steps.
2: Yeah, exactly. Fun fact, it was another superfan, Laura Stein, who published one of the earliest fan club newsletters. She published a two-sided sheet about news, community news, new audience participation lines, that kind of thing. She called it Mel Tells, since she played Columbia and she called herself Mel.
0: Wait, okay, I'm sorry, this isn't in the script. Little Nell, her name is Laura, and she's Nell. And this woman that's so cute.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh, oh my god, that's so cute though. Is that like the Rocky Talkie Patronus?
2: I mean, sure. One issue even contained a big flame war about if the callback line, she went ape shit, was appropriate, since it was during a
1: close-up of Frank's face.
0: Shit posting. Yeah. <laughs> that's us all right. <laughs>
1: So when the first floor show of the movie was set up, Dory went on to be one of the most prolific shadowcasters of all time. There had been groups that had performed before the movie, along with the recording of the songs, and she had also been part of those. But when the real shadowcast formed, she was there from the get-go. Dory and others from the Waverly and 8th Street groups were often the face of the national Rocky Horror craze of the late 70s.
0: Dory is also a crazy good artist. Her work has been published all over the place, and her impressions of Frank are practically iconic. Well, all right, guys. If we're going to talk about back then, we've got to mention Lilius Piero. She first saw Rocky at 12 years old, drug out to the theater by her older brother, Sal. You might know him as that guy that started the fan club, or that he even wrote Creatures of the Night, apparently the only book Aaron has ever read. <laughs> Listen, everything we're
2: talking about from the early days comes directly from that book.
0: My point stands. Lilius is an absolute pillar of the community. Active for several decades, she performed Magenta with casts all over New York and New Jersey.
1: She even performed in Japan. Like, we talked about that a few weeks back.
2: She's in fame. She's on the cover of the Audience Participation book. She's featured in the Audience Participation album. Hell, Creatures of the Night is dedicated to her. There's so much more we could say about Lilius, but we've got a lot of wonderful people to
1: get through, so let's let's keep on going. So, moving on from the late 70s in through the 80s with Reaganomics going strong in the U.S., we jump across the pond and we find a blossoming rocky scene in London.
0: It's there that you find Stephanie Freeman. Stephanie was a member of the Charming Underclothes cast in London, founded in spring of 1987. She would go on to found the UK Time Warp fan club and was host to several UK Rocky conventions in 92, 94, 99, and the contemporary Rocky Horror Picnic at Oakley Court since 2006. Hey,
1: did you know the castle is a picnic?
0: I don't think that's right, John.
1: I'm pretty sure you're correct.
3: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
2: The founder of the Charming Underclothes cast was Gia Milanovic, an American living in London who also published the newsletter Dark Refrain in the late 80s all the way through into the early 90s.
0: And while we're talking about newsletters, we should give a shout out to Betsy Voiko out of Racine, Wisconsin. Betsy took over publishing the Shop Talk fanzine in the mid-80s all the way through to 1989, producing over 100 issues of Rocky Horror content.
2: This was a feat which Sal Pirro predicted will probably not be duplicated in his 1990 book, Creatures of the Night, but which will be a record nearly shattered by another woman that we talk about in just a moment.
1: Wait, I thought Nikki said no assholes. Like, how did the cell reference slip in here?
0: I'll let it pass, only because he's going to be wrong.
2: <laughs> so Shop Talk was a collection of everything from theater and cast news to global news, poetry, photos, editorials and even contributions from Richard O'Brien and timely topics of the day, like Amnesty International and especially
1: a focus on AIDS awareness. Also, in the late 80s, you have Jamie Froming out of California, who was a prolific Janet who performed at nearly every convention and is featured in 9 out of 10 published works, be it books, documentaries, what have you, throughout the 90s and 2000s. She's also known across the community as a costumer, sitting on many of these costume panels and as a judge. You
2: know, back when the community didn't collectively act like a bunch of whiny babies about doing costume
1: contests. More like when you weren't picking between five different dresses all made by Edge Creations, Aaron. You got me there.
0: Speaking of costumes, I feel like everyone listening must be screaming at us not to forget the next two women we're going to mention.
1: You know it. First up, we've got to talk about Minna Crador. Minna started doing Rocky in the late 80s and was super active in the community up until just a few years ago. Her Rocky career spans almost 30 years.
2: Based out of Texas, Minna would be a huge part of the Rocky scene all throughout the Lone Star State, performing with or managing more
1: than half a dozen casts throughout her tenure in the community. But I think the reason everyone out there knows about Minna is her blog, Columbia's Closet. Ah, uh? ah, uh? Yeah. Yeah, y'all know Columbia's Closet. Mmm. Started in 2009, Minna blogged about all of her research, her tips, tricks, discoveries, and, well, anything and everything related to costumes for over a decade. It wasn't until 2020 that the site was taken down. Which
2: was an absolute catastrophe for the community. While an archive of the blog lives on in the Wayback Machine... It's a travesty that the sheer volume of knowledge that she made available to the community is not easily accessible to future generations.
0: Minna did it all. Custom fabrics, patches, costume pieces, patterns, and even tons of commissions for costume pieces across the country. She did pioneering research, and so many details about the costumes come from her incredible findings and analysis.
2: One random tidbit, a footnote, in her vast career, but one that I love— Minna discovered the names and issues for the two magazines that Magenta and Columbia are reading when Dr. Scott gets pulled around through Columbia's room during his entrance. It's thanks to her that I've spent a ridiculous amount of time hunting down two very specific issues of Movie Life and Movie Mirror magazine, which I have to say are some of my absolute favorite collectibles, all thanks to her tireless work and research.
0: And so much more. She's a primary source for why we know so much about the Frank jacket. Her work cataloging all the pins, the variations, etc. is unmatched even to this day. The jacket group on Facebook still has a screenshot from Columbia's closet pinned to the top because her material just hasn't ever been surpassed.
1: It's hard to really smash together a list of achievements for any of these women that we're talking about. But Minute is so prolific that it's incredibly difficult without leaving something out. Like She was a staple at every Rocky Horror convention for almost 30 years. You could always find her at her vendor table, delighted to talk shop about costumes and hook you up with the most screen-accurate costumes that you could possibly imagine.
2: She was also a staple of the costume panels and contests, judging countless competitions and answering questions to the community. Hell, she even designed the costumes for a version of the Rocky Horror Stage Show at Playhouse 90 in Richmond, Texas.
0: And she traveled the world, hitting all the stops on the Rocky Pilgrimage, performing in Berlin, visiting the Museum Lichspiel in Munich, Oakley Court in the UK, and even made it to New Zealand to visit the Riff statue.
2: We could go on about Minna for well, quite a long time, but we really, really need to leave room. For a woman who is near and dear to my heart, and for whom I will happily go out on a limb and declare the most prolific woman in the Rocky Horror community.
0: Like, most prolific right now?
2: Ever. The the most wide-reaching, who has done so much for the community that it's nearly impossible to know where to begin. I'm talking about Ruth Frank Winter. And full disclaimer- Ruth and her husband, Wally, were also the cast directors for my first cast, one of almost a dozen casts that Ruth has had a role in seeing succeed all across the central United States.
0: I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in the Rocky community who didn't know Ruth's name. Hell, I know plenty of people on my cast that couldn't pick Sal or Ron Maxwell out of a lineup, but sure as shit know every nook and cranny of the anal retentive costume list.
1: I mean, that's where we should start, the costume list, right?
0: Easily. From the first day that you even dream of being on a Rocky Horror cast, someone tells you to go look up the anal costume list.
2: Originally, Ruth started the list as a resource on the Rocky Horror News Group, where it quickly became clear that Ruth's detailed descriptions and citations would become the gold standard in Rocky Horror costuming information. If you want to know how big the buttons are on Magenta's dress, it's thanks to Ruth that we know that
1: today.
0: How big are they?
1: Uh, three-eighths or five-eighths of an inch. And that's just one of, like, thousands of details that Ruth has curated, along with costuming tips and tricks, anecdotes, advice, and research materials for any budding Rocky Horror costumer.
2: Not to mention that she owns several original pieces from the stage show and movie,
1: including Frank's dinner scene corset. Ruth is an absolute mainstay at every single convention for the last 30 years. If there's a costume panel or contest and Ruth isn't on that panel... Something probably went horribly wrong.
0: Or she just wanted a break. Not to diminish anyone else, but Ruth is such an iconic presence. She's practically Rocky royalty. You'll have to introduce me one day. Not gonna lie, she is one badass intimidating woman.
2: Oh, for sure. It is always the highlight of my convention to get to chat with Ruth and to catch up, but we're not done here. Ruth has been integral to the community since 1988. She's been in casts in Nebraska, California, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, South Carolina, really all over the place. She's traveled internationally to connect with the community all over the world. She's seen casts in Paris and Berlin, Milan, Barcelona, Toronto. And of course, she's
1: made the pilgrimage to Oakley Court. And let's not forget all the other projects that Ruth has taken on over the years. She was the editor of the Crazed Imaginations fanzine from 1998 through the fall of 2002 and throughout the tail end of its run through 2006. Crazed easily rivaled Shop Talk in sheer volume of publications and in content. Though I'm not aware if it ever
2: quite surpassed the exact issue numbers, I think Sal would acknowledge that he underestimated just how dedicated people like Ruth are to the community. She even interviewed Richard O'Brien, Patricia Quinn, And Sue Blaine, among so many others, throughout her tenure as editor of Crazed.
0: She was also a substantial contributor to the now-defunct Rockypedia, and still is incredibly active helping with the content side for the official Rocky Horror website and community on social media.
1: And let's not forget all the places that her name randomly pops up. She digitized the entirety of the early shock treatment draft script, The Brad and Janet Show, which we have certainly referenced more than a few times on this show.
0: She's also one of only two women who have ever received both a Boss Award and a Fan Award from the community, two incredibly prestigious Lifetime Achievement Awards.
1: In fact, if you haven't figured it out yet, many, if not most of the women that we've mentioned hold either a Boss Award or a Fan Award. I will point out, though, Ruth was the first recipient of the Boss Award
2: back in 1998 at the New York City Convention. If that doesn't sum it up perfectly, I don't know what does. On a personal note, Ruth is the person who really taught me, personally, what Rocky Horror and the Rocky Horror community was all about. She befriended and mentored an awkward 17-year-old kid and welcomed him to the community, and really set the standard that I aspire to today. I think we all strive to make even a fraction of the impact that she has as we work every day to make the community a more welcoming, inclusive, and just fun space. Aw,
3: stop it. You're getting me all choked up. Did somebody say they want to get choked out? Oh my fucking god. Text me. Go the fuck away.
2: I thought we I thought we already kicked him. <laughs> Wait, Nikki? Hold on. Jacob leave. <laughs>
0: Anyway, let's move on. Let's round this out with some rapid-fire shout-outs. It is impossible to be inclusive of everyone, and for everyone we mentioned, there are literally hundreds of women whose impact is just as important, but, well, we don't know a lot of their names, or we just don't have the time to cover them. Trust me, there is absolutely no way to get through everyone, despite how badly I want to.
2: So, with
1: that, here's a list of women. Asshole no no assholes that's kind of the point i'm gonna kick it off with karen schaefer and Margot berkdahl of new york two of the many folks who pitched in on the rocky horror fan club throughout the 80s and 90s and michelle reffeld an incredibly prolific member of the new york cast active member of the fan club and community and one of the players in the hilarious april fool's wedding prank that we talked about in one of our earliest episodes
2: I've got to give a shout out to another epic performer, community member, and costumer, Becky milano Caparis. uh, originally out of California. She's now the director of the Michigan Rocky Horror Preservation Society. Her costuming is always awe-inspiring and a delight to see.
0: We've got to mention Megan Harris-Tabor out of Las Vegas, who organized the 16th, 18th, 20th, and the 25th convention, and is the only other woman who holds a Boss Award and a Fan Award.
1: Christine Martin is the founder of the Midnight Insanity in Balboa, California. She was particularly active in the 80s and 90s, and she helped organize the Fox TV special and the 18th anniversary Age of Consent convention.
2: And of course, Hillary Maxwell from New York, an amazing magenta, former leader of the New York City cast, and really just the kind of woman that best represents what makes the Rocky community so great. The consummate friend and fan. Also, a huge shout-out to the legendary New York Frank and my bestie, Jen. If you've ever bought a Frank temporary tattoo or maybe a wig in the
1: mid-2010s, that was probably her handiwork. I personally want to give a massive shout-out to my good friend Thirteen, who is part of the RKO Army. She is a great friend of mine, and she is probably one of the greatest performers I've ever seen in terms of her costume, her stage presence, her accuracy. She is also the director of Buffy's Once More with Feeling for RKO, and she was also the director of that... Absolutely amazing pre-show that they did at the most recent con. She is a total legend and does not get enough respect and props for what she does for her cast.
0: Hell yeah. I want to give a shout out to one of the most badass women I know, and my favorite Janet ever, my bestie Andrea. I have literally never met someone like her. She is such a stellar performer and cast member and friend. She always sets and surpasses such a high standard for performing and costuming and working behind the scenes. And she's always willing to lend a helping hand to those who need it. I've learned so much from her and she's such an asset to my Rocky Horror experience. Plus she's ridiculously hot and funny and talented and basically the best person ever. I love you, Drag. Happy Women's History Month to you and you only. (laughs)
1: so to everyone that we've mentioned a massive thank you for everything that you've done for the community and to all the amazing women that we may have missed we want to give you a big shout out as well we love when women
0: and so should you if there's a woman in the community hell anyone in the community and you really appreciate the work that they do let them know shoot them a message or drop a note on one of their posts everyone could use a pick me up now and again
2: also, before we wrap up, we've got to mention all the women who created Rocky Horror as we know it today. Patricia Quinn, Nell Campbell, Julie Covington, Belinda Sinclair, Angela Bruce, and all the others who defined classic Rocky Horror characters in the stage show.
0: And don't forget Susan Sarandon, everyone's favorite slut, still looking for her creature of the night 45 years later. And of course, the incorrigible Sue Blaine, who practically defined the punk glam rock aesthetic with her Rocky Horror costume designs and is an amazing prolific designer in her own right.
1: Though she is still to blame.
2: <laughs> so to you, Nikki, our funny brilliant co-host without whom our show would not be anywhere near as good and to my wife, Meg, the absolute badass who produces this show and directs our cast, that's the New York City cast, and to <laughs> all the other women out there who are Kicking ass and making the community amazing. I raise my glass to you in appreciation of Women's History Month.
1: Aaron, it is six o'clock on a Sunday. Why do you have a glass? Do you not? Here, here. There it is.
0: I'm crying. <laughs> that was so <laughs> cute. Anyway, I think I speak for all women out there when I say, You're welcome. We like chocolate, flowers, and good head. Though, you can't ever go wrong with cash. I accept Venmo.
1: But I thought diamonds were a girl's best friend.
0: What did I say about being a mushy asshole?
1: (sighs) Yes, me-
3: Nikki.
0: That's what I thought. Again, I accept Venmo.
3: And that's our show! Oh, my God. We want to thank our friend Red for writing in with the awesome tip about the Frank jacket pin. We love getting to share stuff like this. Thank you so much for thinking of us. Where the fuck does he keep coming from?
0: This is a waking nightmare.
3: I'm always here with you, Aaron. (laughs) And I'll always be here for you. (laughs)
1: Wow, that sounds creepy both in theory and in practice. Coming up next week, we have an absolutely killer question coming to us from one of our faves, the Duke of New England. Did you miss him, Nikki?
0: No, kinda, a little, okay, maybe.
1: We are all so
2: psyched about this question, we won't spoil it, but I will say that we've been waiting for the perfect opportunity to tackle this majorly divisive community issue. We're thrilled you've given us a lead into it, and we can't wait to dive into it. Be sure to tune in next week. You're not going to want to miss this question.
0: If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us spread the word about it. All you got to do is go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us to grow the show.
3: We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And please write to us. We love hearing from all of our listeners, getting
1: messages from all of you. We get so excited. We literally group text about it as soon as the message comes
3: in. We love it. We can't wait to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you're working on and all the upcoming special events your cast are getting ready to do. We want to share it on our show and help you spread the word. If you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your
2: cast is doing a show that you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky horror career, go to our website. That's RockyTalkiepodcast.com and fill out our contact form. Let us share your story.
0: And please don't forget to send in your videos for community pre-show night.
1: And we will talk to you next week.
0: Bye.
3: Bye. bye.
0: Ah. Jacob, say Bye.
3: Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: I've certainly seen the memes all over oh the place. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh no.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Susan stated that she never really wanted to get married in the in the butt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? I also First don't want to get married in the butt. <laughs> Damn, me and Nikki, have like these great characters going and we got ruined by married in the, in
0: the butt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> okay.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> Susan
0: stated that she never really wanted to get married in the first place and reassesses their relationship every year and dis- That is just not grammatically correct.
1: Grammatically?
2: <laughs>
0: Whatever, I'm having a stroke. Reassess their relationship and dis- God, this is giving me anxiety. Okay.
2: Yeah, just reassess. use reassess.
0: Reass. <laughs> Whatever.
2: It's gonna be so much fun, but we don't want to hog the remote. We want you guys to help choose the lineup by sending in your favorite
0: pre-shows. Too.
2: Okay. That, that's not how to read that.
0: <laughs> we can't wait to see you there. Woo 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 woo. Nothing from you guys? You can't. You, no. you don't. You don't want to see them. I'm eating. Whatever.
2: I gotta push push the button for this thing, so. The button? Yeah, there's a button that makes the the website go vroom.
0: Okay, whatever. All right, everyone. uh, We can cut
1: that. There are no women that have ever contributed to anything to Rocky Horror ever. You want to do that again?
0: There's no woman.
1: Yeah, there is no woman. (laughs) (laughs) No woman, no cry. No.
0: Oh, I know, Dory. She's like the most famous shadow caster ever.
1: Sorry, I had to open my Diet Coke.
3: <laughs>
1: uh. Oh, yeah. But when the real shadow cast formed, uh. fuck me. <clears throat> Sorry, Cobb, was eating. She got mad that I wasn't giving her any food, so now she went over and went, Fine, I'll eat my own. <laughs> I'm taking too long with this. Mass- no, I'm <clears throat> going
0: long, too, so you can go, too.
1: Yeah, that's what she said. Would anybody like to go long? <laughs> I'm going <says> long. <laughs> <laughs> we <We'll>... won't. <laughs> I was like,
2: who's going to take it? Go ahead. Jacob, say bye enthusiastically. Bye
0: enthusiastically.
1: Bye enthusiastically.
3: going
0: to kill myself. son. Not if I do it I first. It. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: And stop. Yeah, that's good. Okay.